0: what's going on fpr managers welcome to another video from fantasy football scout it's game week six time well a week in advance i suppose but we've just had pretty dreadful game week five both me and rob have so uh this will be more of a counseling session for us all if you've had a bad game week as well you can wallow in our misery too and uh, we'll console ourselves and joined by rob how are you today buddy
1: um, honestly, I think you're trying not to be too harsh on us because we've, we've come away with over 50 points, which in a normal game week, you'd probably think that's not a bad score. And it feels like in the past, the craziness of like, you know, Trent not starting and, and, you know, Torres and getting minutes here and just players coming off injured or getting dropped or like men, uh, Mendy missing for Chelsea, just lots of crazy things happening. Some people not even fielding 11 players, um, and usually in the past in in previous seasons those game weeks have meant an average score of 25 or th- 25 to 35 points it always feels like game week 3 or 4 we have these really low scoring game weeks but still with a game week score of 54 it's uh, it's a red arrow which comes on to Thing. that's why you put the points on the screen now because the, the gap between ranks is so incredibly small we are just 3 points from 500k 8 points from 400k 20 points from 200k but equally if we have a bad week and we're 14 points off the boil just 14 points off the boil we will double our rank and be over a million. Oh god that, that is it there's like 40 points between uh less than 40 points i think it is between f- 34 points between 1 million and 200k oh, that's absolutely mental Still let's say hi incredible. to everyone let's
0: say hi to everyone in the chat thanks for, for joining us guys yes we do have exactly the same points and rank and no we're not copying each other if you see our teams later on in the <laughs> show you can see how different our teams are it's just one of those things we've sort of been going head to head throughout the season i've You've been ahead initially. I was ahead and now I've had a, a worse week than Rob and he's come back and equaled my overall total of three, five, one. So that's it. I think the plan for this video is to have a look at some stats, have a look at some numbers, have a look at some. Well, each of the different positions, see what we can do to try and sort of rectify this bad game week, if anything, or just just be patient and just let it come to us. And then we'll look at our teams right at the end and see what our transfers plans at the end uh the title of this uh video is "is double chelsea defense essential it's it certainly looks like chelsea are really good at this certainly defensive wise people are going to have double defense and maybe lukaku from game week seven so that's something we'll consider for sure but i think we're going to explore every element of of fpl today very briefly in each section so hopefully we can be pretty comprehensive uh and let's start off with goalkeepers rob um yeah as you mentioned earlier there were a few like surprise um what's the word like appearances from Mm. some of these secondary goalkeepers like ben foster appeared kepper uh we had jed steer last week in place of martinez martinez came back uh, was it Darlow was back for for Woodman? He's actually not actually yes. on this chart, but um, and there was the Everton guy as well. Uh, was it is it Begovic? Yes. Yeah.
1: What a goalkeeper he was, by the way. <laughs> a class goalkeeper. Dropped off a bit older, but yeah.
0: So he's not on this chart because he's at a minus 400% XG prevented. So that says it all, really. <laughs> not so good in that game, losing 3-0 I feel, yeah, to I feel sorry
1: for Everton, though. They, they do have some massive injury issues right now. So we're yeah. not going to be as hard on them. But, you know, bless those Luca Dino owners out there, i tell you, because, oh... He's just. I think he is probably the most dividing FPL asset because he is the he's the person that'll get you a one as minus one or a plus twenty one point week. That, that's it. That's it, all he it does. It's, it's always this, been, this, been the case. The it's always yeah. been the
0: case with Dean, hasn't it? Um, but yeah, Everton. Yeah, I mean, they, they were losing a, a few key players. Charles and calvert Lewin weren't playing. A number of other absentees. So you can't be too harsh on them. I actually watched that game.
1: Well, Pickford and I think Coleman was out as well, so it wasn't yeah. just the attack that suffered, but you know also the defense.
0: Exactly, and uh, the other one to mention was Ramsdale. Obviously, came in and um, and played ahead of Leno in in Arsenal, and you
1: can see those two,
0: Kepper and Ramsdale, at the top of the top of the table there. Kepper and Ramsdale both with hundred percent XG prevented because they keep kept a clean, a clean sheet, uh, and obviously Burnley didn't really test Arsenal. Tottenham tested Chelsea a little bit more. But here we go. Chelsea defenders, the two goalkeepers that uh, Chelsea have. Uh, I think Mendy's going to play most of the time, but they are incredibly good for XG Prevented, apparently. Kepa wasn't so much in the previous seasons, but uh, clearly this, this game is just one game in isolation. So um, clearly Chelsea have a good goalkeeper in Mendy, which is surprising because I always thought that he wasn't really that tested. Uh, it seems like he's making a lot of saves uh, compared well, this, to the likes This, I of... think, was
1: only last week... When he got, was it against Villa? Didn't he get man of the match? Okay, yeah. Uh, And then obviously Liverpool down to 10 men. So I think in a normal game week, um, it would happen. And I think, I don't know if people know, but it wasn't rotation, right? I believe he suffered an injury at the end of his Champions League game. Ah, interesting. But for those people who are wild carding. Um, and looking at Ramsdale for 4.5 million, I completely understand. But I did see a quote somewhere uh, where Arteta came out and said something about Ramsdale going to play two games and then um is going to come back. So me personally, when I wildcard, I'm looking at Raya and Guaita as maybe two possible rotations. I might throw Ramsdale in there because of, you know, if he doesn't play. Uh, but yeah, so... I understand the appeal of Arsenal because of the fixtures and Ramsdale because he's 4.5, but I did see somewhere, similar to what it was, I think it was last year when it was McCarthy and Forster at Southampton, when, you know, Hassan Hussle, or Ralph, I, was, I can't pronounce his name, but uh, saying about rotating those goalkeepers uh, could be a situation next Because I don't think Leno's done
0: no, no. I think there's going to be, you know, a little bit of rotation at the start of the season, especially after Champions League games, as you say. Uh, little knocks, injuries here and there. Um, but I guess for people watching this, they're going to be looking at this chart going, OK, what does this mean? How is this useful? And well, OK, how do we translate this into saying who's the best goalkeeper to have from from game week seven or game week eight when people might wildcard? Um So towards the right-hand side is number of saves per appearance. You want loads of saves as a goalkeeper because that adds to the bonus potential, that adds points on top of the clean sheet stuff. Um, The XG prevented is really an indication of their ability, like how good a shot stopper they are. So further up and further to the right uh, is the best goalkeeper. So Mendy's up there at the moment. But another really key aspect is the numbers in the middle of the circle really sort of indicate the number of XG on target conceded they've had and the actual number of goals they've conceded per appearance. So you want that number to be really, really low. And you can see like the likes of Raya for Brentford. I mean, Brentford have been really strong uh, defensively, not conceding too much. Uh, You can see Mendes hasn't really conceded, Allison, Edison, all of the big teams haven't really conceded too much many efforts too much xg on target whereas the likes of meslier cruel woodman especially they've they've conceded a lot of um, xg per appearance so that's something to bear in mind when you're picking these goalkeepers that you want a bit of a balance but you kind of want the best of both worlds And i think raya really offer offers that at the moment three clean sheets so far and uh only two goals conceded is really exceptional for a promoted side uh and they haven't had like too easy run of fixtures either. So uh, what makes you think Guaita is a, is a decent shout? Is
1: it just because Palace are improved? Uh, yeah, and I like the rotation option at 2-4.5. Actually, someone pointed out that apparently Arteta never said that about rotating goalkeepers and it could be fake news. But either way, I don't think Ramsdale's going to have that slot forever but why Guaita because if I'm going to do rotation I'm not going to go higher than 4.5 I don't fancy McCarthy at Southampton because again I feel as though sometimes he could swap with Forster I mean it's happened out of the blue before um I could ghost Sanchez but he's, he's highly owned and Brighton's amazing fixture run um isn't going to last forever and that's going to change uh, so when I look at the rest of those 4.5 million keepers, th- th- there isn't any I'm interested in. So that's why yeah. I think I'd go with uh, Raya and Guaita. I'm not and mass- like I said, when a wild card is long-term. So let's just say I have Raya, uh, uh, and, or Raya and Brentford do really well, even through this difficult patch, and now I'll keep them as my goalkeeper with those great defensive stats I've talked about Brentford before. You know, the defenders are high up in the points as well, and it's why I chose them as my goalkeeper. Um but if they fall off a cliff and, and things go bad and Palace, their fixtures are getting better and their defence stats are getting better and Graves is getting more points, I can just switch them. I don't need a transfer. So that's why I would go for them too. I think they're solid, good, to 4.5 million option goalkeepers.
0: So there's a, a couple, of, couple of questions in the chat about why would you not go for a goalkeeper and then the reserve goalkeeper from the same team? Why would you have two rotating goalkeepers? Why is that beneficial to you?
1: Okay. Uh, I'll tell you why, because they're both uh, the backup goalkeeper for Brentford is four point five million. Okay. So I'm not going to have uh, say there's a, a, a difficult fixture for Brentford and an easy one for Palace. I'll have the option to change. I'd rather have two first choice goalkeepers and switch them when I want, rather than pay the same price for a reserve goalkeeper and 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 them not play and only play when my first choice goalkeeper is out. So I'm paying 0.5 million more. So yeah, usually you'd get the 4 million. So for example, if you've got backman and Foster, that's a 4.5 million first choice and a 4 million second choice. Uh, but I'm not going to spend 4.5 million on a second choice goalkeeper.
0: Now that's absolutely fair. But what about another team that might have a 4.5 and a 4 million contender? Because that, that would be useful money. Um, you know, you could, it's like you're saving 0.5 million. I guess for, there's two different perspectives, isn't there? If you have if you have that 4.5 and a four, and you know that if one doesn't play, the other one will, um, then you're obviously saving some cash. And um, when when you have those two 4.5 goalkeepers you always miss on the halls because they tend to have like a shock clean sheet against a really good True. team and yep. with loads of saves and then they get three bonus so you have to be really lucky with those rotating goalkeepers to basically make it through like a long period uh with the ideal combination actually working out so it actually makes me physically sick because I, I tell you
1: all all I the know, time leaving points on the bench, yeah, all yeah. the time that but i people can't say it's luck, but i just don't think it is like you know, if, if this weekend I had Raya and Guaeta, I'd play Guaita because Raya's got Liverpool, and I'd be more surprised. And I, again, I don't get angry at my decisions. Uh, I, I Sorry, I don't get angry at the results. I get angry at the decisions. or frustrated with the decisions. Like, if I play Raya and he keeps a clean sheet against Liverpool th- and he's on my bench, then good job. I well mean, done, I, buddy. Yeah. You've got a clean sheet against Liverpool. But Absolutely just fine. About the question about why no formula keepers, I'll tell you what, because I've said before, there isn't any. There's only Foster and Bachman is the 4.5 and four million option. Steer is four million, but Martinez is 5.5. Begovic is four million, but Pickford is five. Uh, hein and Okonolwo at Arsenal are four million. Uh, there's another four million goalkeeper. Uh, goal, uh, there's one of the goalkeeper at Brentford who's injured, but the other second goalkeeper is 4.5 million. Sanchez. Uh, Steele, I could do Steele and Sanchez. Yeah. Steele, and Steele and Sanchez.
0: That's a very but, popular combination at the moment, uh, um, for
1: sure. And if I, and if I did change, I would go there. But you know, game week nine and ten, they've got City and Liverpool, and I, I could, yeah, I could go that way if I wanted to say point for the sake of point four, uh, for the sake of point five million. But again, I, I still don't think COVID is out of that question, and for yeah, something yeah. that is so long term, and I'm sitting there with the both Brighton goalkeepers, and a game gets called off for COVID.
0: Yeah, that's fair
1: enough. I mean, I always eat. say a wild card. I plan long
0: term. I don't. I really don't think that that's going to be too much of an issue this season compared to last, because COVID was more prevalent. Uh, but I I, they, I, I agree. There's always, always a small chance, but I don't think there's there's too much. I don't think you need to plan your FPL team to cover COVID. That's too no, much this season.
1: Just, I, I, I like. I'm, I'm, not like you. I, I like the idea of rotation, and the full squad. <laughs> oh, it's on the bench, then, then I've got. Then, then I appreciate my squad.
0: No, that's absolutely fine, and I get that, and I know what you're talking about in terms of you valued the, the decision over the result completely get that that's really uh, that's good um hindsight uh, management but have you actually worked out the advantage that historically goalkeeping rotating pairs have got over someone who has just gone 4.5 and a 4 i'm not 100 percent if you choose the right 4.5 goalkeeper that it has that much benefit but but that's i mean it's, yeah there's a lot of work to be done in working that out and i would have to go and do that but i don't know uh it, it's interesting.
1: Tomorrow the results oh, are Yeah,
0: going to it. But... <laughs> right, let's move on uh talk about defense uh in, just in general because um it is pretty surprising actually uh some of these some of these things. You've got well, this is just expected goals conceded. So um the the teams that have conceded the most are at the top. Ideally the the teams you want to target because they're the most leaky. Um, and the teams at the bottom have been the most tight defensively. So you've got the likes of Brentford there along the sides of Man City and Liverpool. Brentford, Brentford have only conceded two goals. That's the number next to the icon. Man City and, and Liverpool, one each. Uh, Wolves are down there, but they've conceded five compared to the other the other teams. And Everton have conceded seven. So Wolves and Everton have underperformed in Uh, and so have aston villa with seven as well so you've got to keep keep an eye out for that balance of the expected goals conceded and how many goals are actually conceding because if they're just maybe they've got a bad goalkeeper maybe they're the way they're set up is just tendency to to leaking goals then you've got to keep an eye on that but brentford is definitely the one that sticks out five games two goals conceded is insane um, Newcastle and Norwich up the top there, um, obviously Norwich in the second division down, but 14 goals conceded is insane so maybe Tim Cruel is letting himself down a little bit. The one that's concerning for me is Leeds and um, as an ailing owner they are not great for expected goals conceded and they're conceding quite a few. Surprised to see Tottenham and Arsenal up there as well uh, and Leicester. What, what are your thoughts about those teams in particular? It's... um. Difficult to get on the defensive assets with those numbers.
1: I, I said to you last week when we talked about replacing Antonio that I wasn't going to go Rafinha. I've got Rafinha and I wasn't going to go for Bamford because I'm just put off by Leeds. And, and on my my own stream, when I make my predictions, I predicted a, a 1-1 with Newcastle. Um, because, again, I just don't feel as though they're quite there yet. Um, and I just think that there are better options out there. Just going back to about Brentford, though. Um, now we're really going to get a test of their defensive metal, um, because I don't want to, you know, disrespect the teams or the accomplishments they've made so far in the first five games. But Arsenal, Palace, Villa, Brighton, and Wolves uh, are not exactly um, free-scoring sides. Um, you know, if you're a team that concedes a lot of goals against those sides, you'd be pretty disappointed. Uh, now they've got Liverpool, West Ham, Chelsea and Leicester. Uh, but Leicester, uh, I tweeted about this yesterday. I, I feel as though Leicester are the most disappointing side for me so far this season. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. they've there been just a shadow of their former selves and I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why. When they play two up top, with uh, Iniesta, incredible attacking stats. Iniesta himself was way up at the top of the charts for that. Now they've gone back to the four-two-three-one, and they just cannot. They, you know what it is? It's not even that they can't hit a barn door. They're not even trying to hit a barn door. They are still rock bottom for total attempts. Still. So, when I say Liverpool, 125 attempts, City, 100, Wolves, 82, United, 79. Way down at the bottom is Leicester with 43. Yeah, it's not good. 43 attempts and goals inside the box or or big chances and things like that. Just just really, just poor. Really, really poor. We will come...
0: we will come to attacking um, performance later on. So a similar chart to what you're currently seeing just for expected goals. But in terms of the defensive stuff for Leicester, they've signed Vestergaard. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, obviously, they're without the likes of James Justin this year, who is decent, i um, not sure how much defensive solidity he personally added. But um, Sion Chu seems to be having a really bad time of it. Um, Big mistakes, yeah. Yeah, so big mistakes, and that's just something that I think maybe is a blip, but I think Leicester in general normally are pretty solid, especially with Ndidi playing. So it's a surprise to see them up there. Um, So I I think it's one of those that you just have to grim and bear it and and maybe come back to Leicester later on down the line
1: when their their form improves defensively they've, they've not been that bad i mean eight goals you can see but that's that puts them the same as as watford and palace down towards the bottom of the chart um but just newcastle is actually a surprise steve bruce will usually set teams up like a 451 or 541 defensively but norwich like again you don't want to be that 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 guy that says you know the newly promoted sides are going to struggle but just anyone saw it come in that just this Norwich side is not good enough
0: it's definitely operation target Newcastle and Norwich uh, and even Leeds yeah. I, I'd say yeah you know, people, at the
1: moment for sure yeah people who bought in
0: Ismail Assar probably were were clued up to that They who had Norwich I think he's got Newcastle and Leeds next so the three most leaky teams um, really decent picks are it's a shame that i didn't go for him but i honestly did just didn't consider him at all over the likes of triore who is completely frustrating everyone but um but leeds yeah leeds is the one that i want to focus on uh having there's a few uh ailings there's a few uh you know other picks out there that people might want to get rid of and uh, i just don't see leeds keeping too many clean sheets this, this season along the likes of newcastle norwich so I would I'd be looking to sell if it's not, if you haven't got anything else to do in your team. Um, the other one that sort of surprised me was that Chelsea aren't in the lowest tier for expected goals conceded. Maybe that's due to the opposition that they played. That's probably it. Uh, Man City and Liverpool seem to be uh, the best high-profile teams for expected goals conceded. So definitely priorities. There's not many people on Man City, Man City defenders, are there, Robin? Is that because of the rotation risk? Could you say that about Chelsea assets as well?
1: Um, yeah, you're right. It's about rotation. That's why when I said I'd wildcard, I'd probably just bring in Diaz and get a boring, I'd say boring six points, but you know when it's low scoring, you'll get bonus points for clean sheets and and, and passes, right? Um, but they've not got him now because they've got City and Liverpool, uh, sorry, they've got Chelsea and Liverpool in the next two. So as great as they are, it's why I'm still, I mean, when we talked about the rotating goalkeepers I had earlier, uh, my idea for that is, I've I've got an, a good idea for double Chelsea defense, well balanced squad uh, with a little bit of money in the bank, and it would have a Man City defender in, but it's it's just too early. Yeah. If I'm so Laporte is going mi- to supposedly miss the next game, he should be back for Liverpool, but why would I be spending six million or five point six million or five point five million on a, a Man City defender when they're about to play Chelsea away, uh, and then they've got Liverpool. So I think it's just that. If you started the season with them, then they've been great. I mean, I think Cancelo's played 90 minutes for the, oh, for the whole season so far, which is, is you know, very shocking. Um, you, could, but, you could
0: argue, you know, why bring in a Chelsea asset when they're about to play Man City? I, I think, obviously, exactly, if, yep. if we gear up against, you know, ahead of game week seven, which is what I'm planning to do, and Chelsea have a good run of fixtures from then. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea-Man City was nil-nil. Uh, because Chelsea's attack, I mean, it was it was really good towards the end of that game, but certainly against Liverpool, I know they went down to ten men at some point, but they haven't been setting the world alight um, for the majority of the of those high profile games, I'd say. And Man City might be able to con- contain them, and equally, Man City have sort of they struggled against Southampton, haven't they? And Chelsea's defense is is imperious, so uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they cancel each other out uh, next weekend and it's nil nil. Um, but who knows? And if you're bold, you could bring in one of those defenders to get ahead of the game week seven uh, transfer swing. Uh, sorry, fixture swing. So, mm. so yeah, it's not a bad idea, I don't think. But,
1: but, but yeah. Said, um, what was that? I can't remember. But the stat I said last week about Thomas Tugel or something like, was it 20, something like 22 clean sheets in 35 games? But the last three games he's played against City. He's beaten 1-0 in the Champions League final. 2-1 in the Premier League at City, and 1-0 in the FA Cup final, yeah. so yeah, if I'm leaning towards a team, they're at home, they're they're on fire, they're in form, uh, you know, City, I said this a couple of weeks ago, so City still don't quite look at it, I know they've got a couple of 5-0 wins, but they're still n- not quite there, right. uh, and even though I don't think Chelsea's all the way there, I said all the way back in Game 2, I feel as though Chelsea's a team that I'd back like to actually win the title, so if I'm going to bring players in, I might as well back the players from the team that I think are going to be the champions.
0: Okay, let's let's move on and talk about defenders themselves. Let's finish off this defence section. Uh, I've got a chart up here, which is the chance diagram, which just shows the four key attacking um, stats for, for defenders. You've got the small chances created on the left, big chances created on the right, and then the small chances, the difficult efforts in orange, uh to the middle left and then the green the big chances the clear-cut opportunities for which for defenders are normally headers from set pieces so you've got the likes of Tarkovsky, me, Matip that doesn't really surprise me in terms of those numbers Um, but we're talking about Chelsea Uh, Marcus Alonso those those numbers 12 small chances created uh, 8 small chances 1 big chance Um, I'm sure he's probably got a big chance created as well but he's maybe off that list uh insane numbers from a defender i mean obviously we we love trent alexander arnold and he is he's um imperious as well 20 chances created in the first four game weeks because he didn't play this week
1: yeah
0: he's insane but alonso obviously is fantastic do you think he keeps his place when Uh, um
1: well for me like i said when i wild card i'll have five solid defenders because and again, I was I was saying preseason. Do you know what the dream team was again this week? The formation. Oh, it's just five at the back all the time. Probably. Five, three, two. Buddy. Yeah, but that's not. i have a solid five. And the manager of the week with no chips played had four at the back.
0: But it, it, I swear to God, like every every <laughs> game week, it's five at the back. But that but is how not. Many,
1: how many people do you see play five at the back?
0: but that's not they, this is the point the fact is all of those five defenders every single week are different defenders so you can't move between all Rudiger, of
1: them Alonso, i think that well my point is anyway going back to Alonso, yeah he'd be on my wild card 5.7 why not because i'd have a good sub because my squad's more balanced i told you when i set up a wild card i'll have a couple of punts in there and i'll have a full squad so, Alonso would be in there because if he wouldn't play, I've probably got Sufa on my bench. Yeah. To come in. So... You, you, you're, bringing, you're going to bring in Alonso.
0: 100%.
1: No, no, no. Not bring in when I wild card.
0: Really? I mean, I guess that's not.
1: Why, why is that such a surprise? You just reeled off his stats and told me how good he is.
0: Yeah, I was trying to get you into some sort of trap and then say, oh, which you've fallen into, by the He's way. He's
1: one of the original great <laughs> wingbacks. This guy, didn't he used to be priced at like 6.5 million. Yeah,
0: to be to be fair, as long as Tuchel keeps playing five at the back with wing yeah,
1: backs. He's one of the like like 3 or 4 years ago where, was it about 3 seasons ago when he was absolutely right up there as like the best wing back. Yeah. He lost his place. I know he's a defensive liability. I've seen him. I'm a bot one just and a new to play for Bolton. Like I know that we could see he had greatness in him and, and he and he is a fantastic defensively is is he's, he's questionable and that's being polite. Um but his attacking sense, I thought he was my man of the match. Honestly, he was my man of the match yesterday. He With does Chelsea against Spurs, he was my man of the match. He definitely worries he me. I think it was Thiago Silva got like the man of the match, but for me Alonso just
0: I mean, it just yeah. goes to show, doesn't it? I mean, this is that's why the title of this video is "It Chelsea Double Defense Essential." I mean, they uh, has scored, Thiago Silva scored, Alonso got an assist, uh, and they're keeping clean sheets. Reese James comes back, and he'll be excellent with Lukaku. Um, it it's really hard not to own. A chelsea defender at the moment i'm definitely planning to have it from game week seven but i also own mason mount which is really annoying so it sort of blocks the chelsea double defense because yeah, yeah. he was subbed off at half time which was absolutely night- a nightmare I so i played the game before and you got him in on a hit i did absolute nightmare both of my transfers in the last couple of weeks have been dreadful so is what it is I, I think personally alonso is a is a big Rotation risk because Chilwell is, seems to be coming back. And I'm sure once the Champions League games come thick and fast, then Chilwell probably gets a look in whether or not why he just champion, plays in the Champions why, League.
1: Why, why do you think that? What has Alonso... If you're the manager of Chelsea, right, what has Alonso done wrong that you think Chilwell deserves to now replace him?
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. It's a really good point. I remember,
1: like, who signed Ben Chilwell? <laughs> it was it Lampard was it right. um, and also he's Timo Werner and money it's not it's not Thomas Tuchel's problem right you know how how much did Werner cost 70 80 million a lot yeah and he's a lot bench. right he yeah. on, and, he, and he is he is solid on, on that bench right <laughs> he is absolutely it fell uh, this is going to sound harsh. It felt like a pity sub yesterday when he oh. came on. It felt like we're winning this game. They're not having any chances. Let's give him a run out. And, and he got an assist. And, and everyone was so happy for him because he got an <laughs> assist. Uh, well, including you. I had him for like ten the first 10 weeks of last, last season. I'm so <laughs> bitter about it. But just... He's not Chilwell wasn't his player, and he didn't fit in with his uh, Thomas Tuchel style, right? So there's nothing just because they paid a lot of money for for Chilwell, and just because he's I don't know maybe because he's English and we we rate him higher, but he didn't even get a, a, a kick in at the Euros in the England. Yeah,
0: squad. I mean to be so fair, I don't know
1: why people think Alonso's. You'll you'll go out and get a, a Rudiger who seems to be the most nailed or Christensen with some rotation risk or Asper Lequeur. Um, But James was on the bench yesterday and he's been ro- rotated more than Alonso has. So I don't know why people are more scared, you know, oh, should I get Reese James or Rudiger? But then Alonso's out of the question. I think you just have
0: to, as you've sort of correctly said, um, you just don't overthink it. And just pick the best player that's been doing well. Uh, it's a mer- meritocratic society. At the end of the day, people are going to get rewarded for good performances. So it does it does sort of slightly encourage me that Alonso might be a, a really good choice. I and mean, We overlooked the fact that he wouldn't play. you would play the first five game weeks of the season. If everyone knew that, everyone would have been picking him. I from, would have. I would have had him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. So. Uh, why would that change now? As you rightly put, um, Chilwell has been sort of injured, or that—that's what has been said in the presses. Don't know well, whether we don't that's. Know, right? Yeah, we don't uh, know. That could is. just be, you know, you know, damaging his pride a little bit if if um, there was another narrative out there. But in any case, if we're not going to overthink this, bring in Alonso because he's doing really well at the moment. He's got loads of attacking returns. Is he the highest scoring uh, defender at the yes. moment? Yes, he is. Yeah, defender. Yeah. So I. Sometimes you can overthink this and people go, nah, it's going to get dropped and all that sort of stuff. So it is tempting. There is still something in the back of my mind that goes, he's going to get benched as soon as you bring yeah, him in. For sure. So it's one of those.
1: Very, very that, frustrating. That's why when it comes on my wildcard, that's why you laughed when I said I'd have maybe Sufal on my bench that day. But that's because I want the depth. I want to spread the money out. And I want to take a chance on getting a really high Alonso return. And if, if he doesn't play, I don't think he's particularly highly likely to come on. Um so yeah. I, I yeah, that's that's my opinion on that for sure. Why not? Another person wanna talk about Five point seven million. So Yeah, not, five
0: point seven. Very decent. Very decent. Another person I want to talk about in this chart is Luke Shaw. And there's a lot of hate for Luke Shaw going around because I mean Man mm. Man United haven't been that solid they've been letting in a goal here and there but i mean they're still pretty good in terms of the expected goals conceded compared to other teams but luke short i think he looks really really good still and he's got three big chances created this season Uh, that's that's only second to trent and um whenever i see him play i think he's getting in field a little bit more and he, he he did that great assist for ronaldo um, he was almost in field when he did that. So mm. I'm I'm not looking to get rid. I, I think even though Man United's fixtures get uh, get worse, uh, as long as you have strength and depth in your back line, I think you can manage to hold him. It's just whether or not I suppose you, you would have to use him as the make weight to get yeah. the likes of Alonso or Reese James or a Man City defender or whoever. But in terms of attacking potential, I mean, Alexander-Arnold Shaw and Alonso seem to be the, the most obvious picks at the moment, which is which is interesting. So I wouldn't be in a rush to get get rid of Luke Shaw if you own. Um, maybe it's a luxury transfer. Um, if you if you want to get on the Chelsea double defence, then use him as a make rate. I suppose when Man United's fixtures get bad, which is game week seven when they have Everton, but but
1: Chelsea have a good run. But, uh, about so yeah, about about Shaw. Sure, I completely agree. I think he looks great in attack, but at the end of the day. Even with attacking defenders, what's the one thing that you want from your defenders? What end product? <laughs>
0: no, clean sheets. Are you you stitch me up there? What's the one thing you want from your attacking defenders?
1: Yeah, well, sorry, defenders, even attacking defenders. You, the the baseline for defenders you want clean sheets, and then the attacking one is like the huge bonus. And United just aren't keeping the clean sheets. Do you know that they actually have the in the whole league? the most defensive errors.
0: Really? Defensive. That's that's a yeah. good start. And that's,
1: that's, no that's probably
0: why they conceded. The most defensive errors. Because even if they don't concede um, you know, a huge amount of shots, which is probably likely, considering they're a decent team and a possession team, uh, if you do have the highest defensive areas, then th- that's going to give the opposing team a lot more big chances, a lot more uh, decent chances to, to, uh, to score. So that's worrying. Um, I wonder who the players in question who caused the errors were. Is it before
1: Varane came in or is it Varane himself? He Um, actually made a few. If you were watching the the game, Varane and especially later on in the game, Maguire made some really bad passes off the pitch, like not even close to to, to the teammates. It looked really dodgy. So I think defensively at times they looked really good, but they made some really iffy passes. But I'll I'll also point out that Manchester United are also second, uh, joint second for lost tackles as well so when we're talking about defense i know that might not be conceding the most amount of of shots um the sort of lower mid table for that but in terms of mistakes and errors that they're making they are second worst for, for losing tackles um, and they are worst for for errors that is pretty worrying
0: career. that is pretty worrying and um... so when
1: you spend it so I know Luke Shaw looks great when he's going in attack but with a, a supposedly red fixture list coming up for united do i want to spend 5.5 million on a luke shaw who can't keep clean sheets but might get an assist mm-hmm. or do i swap him over to a rudiger who might get assist but then also might do a Maradona-esque... 50-yard run up the field and, and score a goal, right? So
0: There seems to be a massive disparity between Man United's home and away form. I think they're just so imperious at home and um, they've really struggled away. I think, obviously, West Ham without Antonio managed to give them a good go. Uh, Rama's goal was fairly fortunate, but, but still, um, I
1: mean... At... Fairly fortunate. That is such a nice way to put that. Ridiculous. <laughs> and then he waltzes off with three bonus points.
0: Do, was interestingly Varane, you know, sort of caused that goal with the deflection. I wonder yeah. whether that goes down as a defensive error because that's that's harsh if it does. I'd what say.
1: I said, <laughs> he knows which stats comes from which charts. I said, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's
0: it. it's a bit of a pickle. I think for me, just summing up, I, if I if I was, I'd. I'd really love to have double Chelsea defense if I could, if I knew who they were starting. And maybe but it's you not. You
1: hate the defense. Like, you're okay. Let's say you wildcard now. You be honest with me and you tell <laughs> me, right? Just give me budget. Give me a budget of five defenders, right? Are you going to play three at the back?
0: I'll always play three at the back. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. So, so you'll say, like, about the defenders, but you'll only, you're like not budgetable at all on three defenders. So one of them's Trent. Yeah, right. So your other two are going to be Chelsea. Yeah, why not? And then, and then you're going to have Livermanto.
0: Oh, I and mean, a 4.5. if I if I wildcarded, yeah. But I mean, you you probably have a four point five in Livermanto, but um, so you I, would, <laughs> you would. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Why is there anything oh, wrong with no, that?
1: No, just because you're saying about the the defense, but it, it just feels like you're so anti defense.
0: I just think that there's fewer upside defenders than there are upside midfielders for the price. I think, um, you know, we just said, we just talked about the best three options for defenders and that was Alonso, Alexander-Arnold and Shaw. Uh, But if you replace Shaw and put in, you know, a Reese James or something, then that that looks really good with Chelsea's fixtures from game week seven, especially when United's are getting worse and you've just, you know, iterated that... Um, Manu's defensive solidity isn't that great. Um, obviously, if it comes back and they start having a good run, especially at home, of clean sheets, then sure is an easy keep. But can you name that many must-have mid-premium defenders? I I don't think oh. that
1: there are that many. The all good right, thing so about having go. let's go, we've got <laughs> the, good... Them no, the good thing about if you're going three at the back every week. I think honestly that would be a great. If if I'm looking every week and I don't have to touch. Trent, uh, Alonso, and Rudiger, for example, if you're looking at that back three every week... Solid. You leave it. And then you've got to... Even if you splash out and do two 4.5 million defender covers of Cody and maybe a, a Spurs or Arsenal defender, right? You can go into every game week and just attack your transfers for midfielders and attackers. So yeah, I I, yeah, I, compl- I don't disagree with with that play style at all. So you I'd know, be happy every week going in with that defense.
0: Five at the back, four at the back, going out of the window, is it, Rob?
1: No, four <laughs> at the back for sure, mate. I'm tempted <laughs> with five. I'm telling you, I'll be spending like just slightly less money on my defense than I will on my midfield. To
0: to be fair, I think you need four at the back if you're going to have Salah, Ronaldo, and Lukaku. I don't think there's any other way uh, to keep Trent along with those three. I was to have
1: Ronaldo in it. That's same. fair
0: enough. That's interesting. we we'll right. about it later. Yeah, we're talking about the attackers now. So that's a good segue. Moving on to team's attacking form so this is the same chart as as we saw previously but it's for expected goals that's the um you know the attacking stats uh and then the number of goals that each team has scored is next to them so we've got liverpool at the top there they're the best team in the last five game weeks for expected goals closely followed by man city 12 and goal 12 and 11 goals respectively uh respectively but then you've got those uh, it just makes me sad seeing this actually Wolves up there third highest expected goals two yeah. two two goals scored and I'm just I'm just getting really annoyed
1: in one game <laughs> it was two in, games. It was <laughs> in one,
0: one game it's like if you own a defender you just play them against Wolves it's like operation target wolves for defense uh-huh. Oh, an absolute nightmare. What I mean this is this is an opportunity for us to have a rant about Traore and Jimenez. What more could Traore do in that game to the video of it,
1: right, when he absolutely rattled the crossbar.
0: Oh, I know he had a, a deflection of it, but he absolutely struck that. And uh and Jimenez missed that clear chance, the header at the end. And Troy, yes, yes, I, I was getting frustrated with Troy always crosses because they were always going over the top. They weren't great. But when he finally got one onto Jimenez's head and he misses it and it goes inches past the post, so frustrating.
1: But There was a moment when it was offside as well, but they played on for like 30 seconds and it was like a royal rumble in the penalty <laughs> area. And Wolves still can put it in. I think this is, I think, first of all, we've got to get credit to Brentford's defence. They were down to 10 men. Uh to a silly second yellow card. Um well actually when he was walking off, I thought the manager was gonna lamp him one <laughs> because he was about to take him up. I actually just gave him a high five. I was like, Man. Yeah, that um, was
0: that was odd because he was about to sub that player he off. Was, wasn't yeah, he? and then
1: he he's rugby tackled him. Very silly. unfortunate. But fair play to the Brentford defense as well. But if you're gonna have 10 men against a team right now, you're gonna have it against Wolves and it's gonna be great because they just cannot stick it in the back of the net. I mean, they it's just worth... Kind of... Did you see the, the players that they brought on? Like right? They took off Marcel and I think it was Samedo and put on Podence and... Uh, Trincao. And, uh, and, oh, no, not Trincao. You know, like Fabio Silva, right? So they were literally playing like a three two five or something
0: it was more than that they had like seven or eight yeah
1: and attackers. they still were limited for shots and chances so it wasn't just like domination of attacking threat but they still were limited to, to to basically such a few amount of chances that it was bad they didn't play well huang um, huang was the other guy who came on yeah and, um, and he, oh did you see his turn what a fairly decent. i think he's going to start the next game i really do I wouldn't be surprised. No, because he came on and the bull, as he's known as, um <laughs> did a did some silky, unbull like turning. I mean ladder.
0: if you're Bruno Large or Bruno Lage or however you pronounce it, you've got to spice up the team somehow. I mean, yeah. there's they're obviously they're playing good football because you can see from the expected goals here, you know, they're close to ten. They're clearly doing a lot of the um, you know, the groundwork completely right, more than all of the other teams, barring Man City and Liverpool. They just can't put the ball in the back of the net. Why can't you start Podence next game? Why can't you start Huang? Keep in and Jimenez, because we're biased and we want them to get FPL points, um, but drop, I don't know, Trincao or drop whoever, and just change it up a little bit, and maybe you'll get a different result. Because I think Podence, when he came on, did, was he on from the start, or did he come on? I think he came he on. Came on, came on yeah, but on. He looked really, you know, lively, creative. Just just bring some more creative players on from the start and see what happens. You know, you've got Southampton away next, and then you've got... Is it Newcastle at home, I think? Yeah, yeah. Newcastle at home. Those are, those are good fixtures. Southampton obviously kept Man City uh, at bay with a nil-nil. So maybe you can't expect too much from Southampton, but certainly Newcastle. If they can't do it against Newcastle, then you've just got to give up
1: on Wolves, I think. It maybe just a change of formation because they play a three four three, but the 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 three are the centre backs, um, and then Marcel and Semedo were in that midfield and I just don't feel as though they they get the shots, but I don't feel like they, they get the the domination of, of possession and I feel as though they lack on that. They just trust smashing it down the wings and hoping Troyore or Trinkau get a good ball in the box. Yeah. Um. But there doesn't. There's no support attacking midfielder because they're two center midfielders are Neves and and Maltino or Moutinho. Yeah. And the, the, there's no one in the middle. They've got so many wide players and good wide players, but the only person in the box that you trust to put it in the back of that is is Jimenez. And you know, if you're the opposition, you just plonk one of your defenders on him, and, and how are you going to score? He it seems so like maybe, he's maybe changed the the formation because they you know. Most teams will have, say, one or two holding midfielders, and then your centre attacking midfielder. But Wolves don't have that, so it's sort of easy to isolate that that front front three line and hope that the ball goes over the top. But again, they're going to whip it into one or two players, and if you're playing a black a, a back three like Brentford do, it's it, your job's more difficult to score.
0: I I think the main culprit seems to be. Jimenez, because if he can't put the ball in the back of net, and all you know, all roads lead to Jimenez in terms of the creativity, he needs to start converting. Uh, once, once he does, then I think the floodgates will open. I keep repeating that throughout the last few weeks, but I, I think it is true. Um, why can't we play? Why can't they play like Gibbs White? It, why, there was before the season, we were, we were thinking, oh, he could be a good four point five option. He hasn't really got a look in. Uh, this is what I was alluding to, you know, a second ago. Just change it up if you were Bruno Large. Just just take out, I don't know, Moutinho or Neves and put in Gibbs White and, and just change up the team and see what they can do. And uh maybe it'll have a different result. But I think the fundamental issue is the conversion, obviously. And Jimenez, I mean the buck stops with him at the end of the day. He has that responsibility to get goals with that side. And um, you know, obviously we feel sorry for him because he's he's had this head injury. Um, I just it makes you do wonder whether he's actually been affected by it or not, or whether it's just a, a lack of morale, a lack of confidence in that squad, in that dressing room. That's that's the main issue. But
1: uh, it, enough it did, about it's, why it's not there, though, is he? Is he not? Has he gone? No, he's, I think he's on loan somewhere in the championship. OK, recently. Silly comment from me. But yeah, I thought no, he was but, around. But the, the idea of the position you're talking about is correct. Of getting that other kind of player in there.
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> ah, oh, Gibbs White. That was a silly. You can soundbite that and play it back to me whenever you're whenever <laughs> I'm being annoying. <laughs>
1: yeah, I will. I will. I already did. Actually, I didn't want to tell you about it. Oh, Jesus.
0: Okay. Well, back to the chart where I'm most comfortable, rather than talking about football. Um, we got the Leicester and Tottenham down there. Really, really bad um, expected goals numbers um five goals scored from Leicester but they're overperforming because their expected goals has not been very good I mean the likes of Watford Watford surprises me because Saar is you know he's a he's a good he's a good prospect but he seems to be the only guy that's really doing it I know Dennis has got a couple of goals as well but um being in that bottom tier for expected goals can't be that encouraging can it um I know they've got a good couple of fixtures coming up but um something to be wary about I'd say um the other thing is Leeds. And uh, Leeds is a definitely a topic of conversation this week, because a lot of us, you know, have Rafinha or Bamford, a lot of us loaded up because uh, Antonio was out. So Bamford is, is a growing, um, growing per- person of popularity. Um, but Leeds haven't been setting the world alight in terms of expected goals. So that's that's an interesting fact. And it's sort of worries me a little bit because Rafinha's two goals have been from way outside the box. You know, he's sort of done a you know a really decent cracking effort. Um we can't it was rely on a Sun on him.
1: goal. There's a Xionming Sun goal. Remember <laughs> it, we talked about this last week when it said we it in at cross and it goes straight in. And I told you we see those goals more often than you realize.
0: If yeah, I mean, I, yeah. You laughed. You
1: laughed in my face.
0: <laughs> you
1: never see I mean, those goals.
0: Obviously we'll take it but
1: if oh, we're yeah. talking, Take we're
0: talking run. about how to predict FPL points. If Rafinha does that mm. week after week, surely it can't be sustainable, right? Um, especially from that specific effort. It, uh, he's normally a little bit closer to goal when he when he shoots. But, so
1: far away. Yeah, yeah I don't exactly. blame the goalkeeper for that either. By the way, that time that was like, that had some fizz on it. That that that. that if crossed.
0: there wasn't, if there wasn't another player into trying to interfere with the ball, then the goalkeeper probably saves it because he doesn't. Yep. He reacts a little bit later. Um, So it it is what it is. Obviously, we'll take the points as Rafinha owners, but something to worry about.
1: Bamford Bamford had that chance, I think, later on, where he he took a touch and then he kind of scuffed it towards the goalkeeper. But again, Leeds just aren't looking right. I said earlier, Leicester looking well off the boil, but something that I want to talk about Watford now, and you made the point about the two players, Saar and Dennis, and I know a lot of people are going to disagree, and that's fine, but I still don't rate Sarr as a good option. I still don't. I still don't back. Now, Dennis is a 5.2 million bench player is fine, but he's just played Norwich and got 15 points, and I completely understand that, right? But I'm also going to say that it was Norwich, and that has massively, in my opinion, skewed his data uh, if you take out the anomalies in players, that's when you get the real idea of their, like, XG and their ability. Yeah,
0: not yeah just yeah. Like, they,
1: they score five goals in a game, and then they don't score for six weeks. That's not five goals in six games. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, 100%. I know it's like and the... And they did the same thing. Saar and Dennis scored in the first game week and against Norwich.
0: It's the frequency thing. I
1: nothing. completely get that.
0: But... Look, just if I phrase this question, if you could bring Saar into your team not using a transfer, not sacrificing any points, if the GFPL gods gave you a gift and you could just bring Saar into your team ahead of Newcastle and Leeds, would you do it? Yeah. Exactly. So it, it. I would, yeah. Yeah, so I think a lot of people will do that because of those two fixtures. I do get your point about caveating um, he's not just become an immediate and crazy good option because he's just had one good game against a weak opposition. So the longevity of Saar is obviously in question. That's what we're saying. Not He's not a bad option for the next two games. Uh, so I do get what you're saying. It's the same with Triore, though. Triore is blanked for the first, you know, whatever games and then... He, We just need Traore to have a 15-pointer against Southampton or Newcastle or whoever it is. And then, you know, people will be like, oh, bring in Traore. But it's just one of those things. I think SAR is a great option. Um, it's just something to, something to worry about with Watford. I think uh, the expected goals, they're, they're in the lowest bracket. But as you say, it's the last five game weeks. It's not the most recent game week, which they clearly had a good game week. So it's what it is. Okay.
1: Yeah, and people mentioning, you know, bringing up in the chat about when he scored like three against Liverpool, but that's all he did. I just want to point out as well again, it's not frequency. And not long ago was two seasons ago, right? Because they were in the championship. But it's that idea that, yeah, he's banged, but he's banged once and it's getting him on that tight. It's like Ben Rama, right? Ben Rama's just got like another 10 points, but a lot of the new owners have had him for three weeks and he's blanked and he's blanked and now he's got 10 points. So yeah. I th- again, I, th- I think Benrahma is a fine option, but just coming back to Saar, I don't back Watford as a particularly great side. Uh, you know they hadn't scored for those games, I think, right? So they scored in the first game and they scored in the fifth game, but they didn't score two, three, four.
0: I'm going to I'm going to move on to the next chart and we'll talk more about Saar because he is on this, and it's um it's the average shot distance to goal. So we're taking all of the player shots, we're averaging what the average shot distance from goal. Uh, and then in the rings, we've also got green with number of shots on target, uh, yellow number of shots blocked, red number of shots off target. And you can see Saar there, he's in the sort of what, fourth bracket down, average shots distance between 14 and 16 yards, uh, along with the likes of Suchet, Gundogan, Armstrong and Salah. So he's clearly not getting super close to goal. But the thing that does impress me is the look at the number of shots on target. I think he's got the second highest after Salah, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, that uh, shots on target, off target, you have to take it with a pinch of salt because you do say good strikers do aim for the corners. Like Greenwood tends to yeah. do that a lot. Um, so take it with a pinch of salt. But I think shots on target, you know, it, it's more of a credit to Salah than, than a negative, um, I'd say.
1: so. I reckon maybe just getting lucky. Not many shots blocked, I'd say.
0: Well, no, 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 no. You can't be getting lucky because you know when you watch someone like Greenwood. So Greenwood hasn't got many shots blocked either. He has that shift, that ability to to move the ball oh, yeah, from left or right, and then have a clear line of sight to the goal, and then he will have a shot, and it's either off or on target. That's a real ability, and presumably Saar has exactly the same. Um, so I mean, a lot of other people like the likes of Suchek particularly Gundogan and Traore's had a lot of shots blocked as well. That's something that may be a negative. I mean, is the worst for it. 24 shots and half of them are blocked. Just maybe seems like he sort of dithers around before he gets that final shot off and the defenders can swarm on top of him. Um... Another interesting point about this is Cristiano Ronaldo's average shot distance. And I guess you could sort of work this out by watching it anyway. I mean, most of his goals have been sort of tap-ins from goalkeeping errors. But um, I wonder whether that will continue, because if it does, um, he, he basically falls in the same bracket as Calvert-Lewin, just an absolute goal
1: hanger. and he's Oh, I want to sound by that one. <laughs> <laughs> Ronaldo falls into the same bracket as Dominic, Calvert-Lewin. No, I
0: mean it in, times, <laughs> in terms of the proximity to goal because Calvert-Lewin is definitely up there for, um,
1: oh, yeah, no, I for proximity. Just, just, about SAR, though, they, what, what it is with like, SAR and Greenwood, we call them curlers. Yeah. yeah. Whippets, right? Like, they, they've got that ability to take a touch and put a proper curl on it and top corner, and it's either going to be on target and goal or off target and, uh, and wide, right? So I, I completely understand what you're saying. Sure. Yeah.
0: So yeah, another thing to think about, and there's a lot of people saying this in the chat, that the people that the players that are shooting from pretty far out, Fernandes, Rafinha, Triore, and Greenwood, that's something to worry about if you've got if you haven't got like an expert finisher, and Triore is there, and that obviously worries me. Um, mm. He does have a powerful shot. We know that Fernandes can put the ball in the back of net from, from 18 yards. And we know that Greenwood can do it anyway. Uh, but he's moved out. So since I did this chart last week, and he was actually much closer. So so since that, he's actually moved out a little bit, which is interesting. Um, but Rafinha, we were talking about, you know, he was shooting from pretty far away. His goal was from far away. He got lucky. Um, well, I mean, you know, six of one, half a dozen the other in terms of luck. But... What well, we're talking about, if you shoot from far away, you need some unexpected things to happen in front of you for that ball to go in, I always think. Mm-hmm. Unless it's an absolute pile driver. So it is something to bear in mind when you look at this. If that player isn't an expert finisher, then it's he's probably not a good pick. And it does make me worry about Traore uh, in particular. And Jimenez
1: um, sticks out on this one. Look at that sea of red. Shots off target, not good.
0: One shot on target since the start of the season is an absolute travesty. And, um, it... oh,
1: Harry Kane that puts him in the same bracket as Harry Kane. <laughs> it's
0: it's not good. It's not good. Suchek is an interesting one. He's sort of crept up into the stats recently. Uh, I got, I don't even know what price he is. Is he someone that I think he's 5.9 now. Five point nine. he was six. That's interesting. So he hasn't got a goal. I don't think he's got a goal uh, in the first five game weeks, but he was a pr- He was an FPL sweetheart last season, wasn't he? Um, does he come into your thinking at all? No.
1: No. <laughs> uh, he scored in the first game week uh, and then nothing since. Oh, I loved him last season. He, I had him for most of the time. It was a whale of a time. He spent a lot of the time on the bench. Uh and that's where he got most of his points. He was always fantastic As he was so many times last season, he was the center forward. Every time they were breaking forward, he was in, he was the man in the box. It feels as though I'm seeing less of that this year. Um, but, yeah, I think no, he's just. No, it's, it's not in my thoughts. I'd rather just go up 0.5, or even, I'd rather even go have a punt on four nows. Really, Six.
0: over over Man United, uh, over West Ham, uh, over the other West Ham assets, I should say. I mean, yeah, there are other cheaper options like the five point fives out there, like Conor Gallagher, who's probably even a better option. But mm. I mean, it's just something to to monitor because Suchek, we know his FPL pedigree; he has been pretty good. Um, if he starts getting a few goals here and there, they might be one to jump on, considering he's got the good underlying stats to back them up. Adam, okay. go on.
1: It's the idea of tripling up on West Ham. Would you triple up on West Ham?
0: I mean I've just moved three of two of them out. <laughs> um, so it's no, yeah. uh,
1: I wouldn't. So, I... exactly. And you know, most people have got Antonio and a lot of people have got Sucheck. Are you gonna pay five point? You mean Sufal, right? Per... Sufal. No, Sufal, sue yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> Would you then bring in sue Check? Yeah, yeah, no. And a lot have got but I I was astounded. Usually when I have Twitter picks. The different Their ownership isn't that high, like Greenwood, for example, or jo- uh, Diogo Jota. But Ben Rama is 31.3% owned. Really? I didn't Norman realize God. it was that high. I thought it was like just a Twitter pick, but he's mad. Like when he scored that own goal from Varane. Um, and he got those ten points. That that killed both. That killed both of those. That
0: I think it was start of the season, wasn't it? Because Antonio and Ben Rama had two really good yeah. games right yeah. at the start. And obviously, you're going to get transfers in from game week one, where there's most players active. But then he does it again in game week two. I think he had like a million. They, I think they both had a million transfers in in one particular game week. So that's probably why he's so well owned. Um, then he goes, course of course, a blanks in the next two when everyone brings him in. So typical. But you know, it is what it is. Um, Jota is another one on this on this chart who really frustrated owners. I mean, has frustrated owners for the last three game game weeks. And I personally feel pretty fortunate that Simacass has sort of blocked me from bringing him in because I would have definitely fallen into that trap. I don't think it even is a trap. You know, it's just outcome. I think he's missed a few clear clear cut efforts, and um, he he is still really good option irrelevant if, if Firmino's around or not
1: this might surprise you how many points has Jota got this season Um,
0: uh, uh, I I think he scored did he score in the first two or did he get get points in the first two so I'm gonna guess like I don't know 20 something like that
1: very close 23 how many points has Simakas got <laughs> he got
0: more uh so so he got five in the last one, and he got... Um,
1: just bear in mind, Simicast has only played three games out of the five. 26. Nine minutes, 90 minutes, four minutes, and 90 minutes. 26. 23. Identical. Uh, okay. Both 23 points. Interesting. Uh, and you were lucky, because you, <laughs> when we talk about teams like you got those points. I did predict that I felt Simicast was going to play, and people were very kind and understanding in the chat, as you can imagine, <laughs> when I suggested uh, that, that Simicast might play. Okay, uh-huh. that's a good
0: segue. Let's have a look at your team. How did you get on uh, in game week five? And a credit to you, you did say, you, you actually played Simicast in your first 11, as you just it. said. You you were convinced he was going to play, and you know, Klopp rang the changes, and he's got five points. I did get lucky alexander Arnold didn't play and sima Kass was first on my bench and he came
1: straight in but according to me as all code he didn't play
0: <laughs> <laughs> no he did he just, he just didn't have a very good game poor chap but uh yeah 58 points with a minus four brings it down to 54 that's four points more than me which is why any regular viewers would know that he i was four points heady last week so you've caught up and now we're on exactly the same points Big red arrow down to five, eight, seven K, which is not great, but still early in the season, so it's not too bad. Who um who's on your chopping block this week?
1: Who's who oh, hold on, I've got a big long list here. Let me just
0: <laughs> Harvey Barnes <laughs> is still lingering uh, on in your team. Crikey, right, Moses. Uh,
1: here, here, let me give you a thought. Did you watch the, the Leicester Brighton game? I didn't. Oh, I saw the highlights okay, okay. though. Okay. Right. How many offsides did Leicester have in that game?
0: Uh, I mean, judging by the multiple disallowed goals they had, I'm going to say, like, ten.
1: No, two offsides.
0: Just two, and they were the both goals?
1: And They were the, t- the two disallowed goals. And who <laughs> caused the offsides?
0: Was it Harvey Barnes? Oh, yes, yes, it was, it was, of course it was.
1: Yeah. So my own player, not only... Uh, I thought he actually played all right, but it was two offsides for Leicester. Both of those offsides resulted in a disallowed goal, and <laughs> both of them were Harvey Barnes standing in front of the keeper not getting out quick enough on yeah, the second ball. I do remember that. Crying. I think he's I, – I like it, so he's on my topping block because I had the faith. I did a big little uh, a, a post on Twitter saying, you know, this is it. This is his moment. I've waited. You know, I've kept him. The fixtures look good for him. You know, the time is now, Harvey. I mean, he, he's got Burnley this week as well. Who have been really poor? Like, how can I say? But if I, if I'm the manager, if I'm Rodgers, and I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, oh, he just cost us two goals as well. What's That's a what's,
0: win- what's happened to Nick Pope, by the way? He used to be amazing, and now he's just gone off the boil a bit. And
1: Burnley oh, well, in general, Bernie team in general, they've got Tarkowski and me. They're top of like the defending chances, right? And there's yeah. just oh, really shocking. So Barnes is just ah, uh, so I said lesser, in my biggest disappointment. You know, Harvey was so good last year uh, before his injury, and he did honestly play all right as the game went on. Uh, Leicester massively improved after they went two goals down, which is which is useless. Um, but they've been so poor this season, um, so I mean, he's obviously on the chop. But I'm not going to do anything yet because obviously Trent is supposed to be back for the ne- for the next game. I, would hope I don't so. want to make any moves on that because I might have to bench my. I, I, I think my time with Simakas has passed. Um, but we also have to wait on Rafinha news because uh, that hip injury to make sure he's all right. Uh, my initial thoughts. Oh, let's talk about the later. Right? Let's just do a review. Uh, Captain Salah, no brainer. Sufal came off my bench for Trent. Okay. Um, so obviously, I would have had Trent in there instead of Sufal. Um,
0: Captaincy pick seems to seem to be working really well
1: in terms of
0: picking the most obvious premium asset at home. It seems mm. to be a really good rotation at the yeah. moment. I think I felt... I've only blanked once, um which was Salah I think in game yeah. week 2. I think yeah. it might be in the same for you. Um yeah. but still like that's one thing about the season that has been working out. is just go with the obvious pick at home and I think that might be evident in in our captaincy, um, both of our captaincies. I, our hate, I
1: hate it. I hate <laughs> our my captaincy already. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Ronaldo, I genuinely think he was denied at least one penalty in that West Ham game. I think two of them should have been given. I'm surprised. I think there were some really questionable decisions um, this weekend. There was what that the handball for Brighton when more pays, like. Holding his vestigar's arm in there, like an arm lock, pulling him down. So vestigar has gone like to, to go down and it's come off his arm. Um, I think there was one at, possibly at Norwich as well. And uh, but the two, I think Man were quite unlucky to not get uh penalty there. And then obviously quite lucky to not give one away because apparently when Wabasaka wiped out, I think it was Suchek, Suchek was just offside. Um, so Ronaldo could be maybe unlucky to get those points. Uh, and then Lukaku, he was my I took a hit to bring him in early. I believe in Chelsea, I believe in him. He had a limited amount of opportunities, but I, th- I felt as though he should have got he should have assisted your Mason Mount in the first half.
0: Yeah.
1: Because Mount fed him in, Lukaku fed him back, and, and Mount scuffed it. But then the big one where you could just see Lukaku burst through the middle. He sees Timo Werner steaming down his left side, and you can just feel he's thinking, I'm gonna have to pass this on. And we're and he holds it. <laughs> And it becomes so obvious he's got to give it to Werner And then gives it to Werner Takes a touch and then touches it inside And doesn't even get a shot away Whereas if he just takes it into his stride And hits it with his left foot, it's a goal So I, I feel pretty Hard done by with uh, Lukaku Blanking in that one, but obviously I'm happy to have The the fantastic four Of Ronaldo, Lukaku, Salah And, and Trent
0: That must be really nice, I am jealous of you uh, having Lukaku over me. Yeah, but, but I look at think... the rest
1: of my team. I've got Traore, Barnes, Cody. Exactly, um... that's the
0: sacrifice you have to make. And it'll be, presumably you are Wild card in game week seven, so you can sort it out then. But um, mm. just shout out to Marco O'Leary in the chat. He's saying, chaps, you're averaging 70 points per game week. And that's a really nice way of thinking about it, isn't it? Because there's there's always that mindset. If you can get over 60 points per game week, then, you know, you, you that's like the average of top the top 10K, isn't it? Over 60K. So obviously you're going to be it's going to be fluctuating um throughout the season in terms of the average score. So that might bring it down if we have a few rubbish game weeks uh, as a just as a collective. But uh, it's nice to think of it that way. That's a nice positive, even though we've had two big red arrows.
1: Speaking of points, someone had mentioned I think he's on Twitter, isn't he? The Teddy Bears, the guy who went it last year. Yeah. Uh, someone put, put when we said about the rotating 4.5 goalkeepers. Someone in the chat mentioned that he won it last year and he did that tactic and he said he got it something like an extra 25 points by doing that. So, Interesting. Ah, that's good. But apart from my game week, you know, 54 on a, on a normal game week actually isn't that bad. And in a game week where Trent doesn't play and I've got a defender with zero points, a defender with one, a defender with two, two midfielders with two and a two and a strike with two.
0: It's not bad. It's one below the overall overall average. So it that's... would have
1: been horrific if I didn't get that seven twelve point out. Absolutely, completely correct. That's what your captain's for. That's why it's arguably the most important decision you make in a game week. Let's move
0: on. Talk about your bus team for game week six. We've got a four four two up here. Uh, Ronaldo captain. Salah, Vice, go on. You can talk about why you hate Ronaldo, captain, because of the four points per goal and all that rubbish.
1: No, no, no. no. Okay, yeah. So, in true, it is true. Usually I prefer uh, captaining midfielders because they get extra points um, for things like clean sheets and goals and stuff. That, yeah, 100% true. It's the effect of ownership. Now, Ted, a big thing that I had in pre season where I didn't start with Bruno and Salah, I felt one or the other. Um because I just cannot fathom and cannot stand the idea of having any player, let alone the joint most expensive player of like a Salo Ronaldo in my team, where they end up working against me. So pre-goal, I saw Ronaldo's effective ownership for my rank was like 95%, which means I could have a happy celebration that he scored a goal. A very small celebration for a small game. And then I realized that, actually, as soon as he scored, his ownership went up to, like, 105%, which which meant that anything else that he did in that game became a negative. And Salah's effective ownership, I think, last week was at 162% for for our rank. 162% ownership, which, of course, is fine because I captained him. But Salah and Ronaldo pretty much every week are always going to be over 100%. And I just always feel as though that having that player in your side who's always going to work against you always just feels counterproductive. So it's true. If I get rid of Ronaldo on my wild card, then I could potentially have a player who's going to nail my rank when he bangs every week. That is true. But I've got to trust in the players that I'm going to use to try and cover him or beat him, like Lukaku, for example. Because Lukaku's ownership in our rank area of let's say around three to five hundred k is thirty one percent thirty two percent in the top ten it's twenty three to twenty four percent so if you've got Lukaku, you can sing and dance all day long when he gets you a return. but when you've got players that you've got, so we we're not captain in style this week and I, and I, and it and it haunts me because it's having a player that I've got, I might as well just get Mane. I might as well just do a Salah to Mane move. And then if Salah gets a goal and then Mane gets a goal and assist, I win. I or whoever completely- I bring in to bring in Salah, I, I, I win. It, I just hate the idea of having a player in my side. And people just still nail me for it in the comments every single time and say, yeah, you go and sell Salah then, and you do this. And you It just look back at game week one, when everyone was singing and dancing with the high scores, because Bruno banged and Salah banged, and they had those. And then they looked around and thought, oh, I just got 85 points, and I'm not even in the top million? What? 85 yeah. points in game week is absolutely phenomenal, and I'm not even in the top million? You needed, I think it was 88 or 89 or 90 points. And it's going to be the same thing. People were celebrating. Yeah, Ronaldo's just got a goal. Fantastic! He's my vice captain. Yeah, and they, and and they do it. And so it yeah. means nothing to your team. Points at the end of the day do matter, but points to to increase your rank is what the most important thing is. And so I, what... I, I'll just sell Ronaldo, get Antonio back in, and and hope my money elsewhere, or players elsewhere, beat Ronaldo. It's it's as simple as that. And I know people are going to disagree with it. So and I completely, I completely get what you're saying. I completely, yeah. Honestly, it comes down with that. Like, if if I'm looking at effective ownership of Salah, 130, 140 percent. If he scores a goal, let's say he gets 10 points, it's going to be like six points against us, which is true. If you don't have him, it's even worse. So it is protecting against rank in that sense. So, so
0: I, I completely get what you're saying in terms of yeah but uh, obviously like you don't want to play with an overall uh, effective ownership of over 100% because then whatever happens, you get a red arrow. But I think there are two elements to FPL. There's playing the ideal strategy, building your team, putting the ideal transfers in and whatever. And there's actually enjoying the football there's watching the football and experiencing the result of your fpl team and what you're alluding to is the fact is that if you captain ronaldo and salah's effective ownership is over 100 you then can't support your own player because you will get a red arrow and i completely get that but in terms of the other side of things about playing optimally Salah's probably going to get on the score sheet against Brentford. And mm. what you were alluding to at the end there, the swords and the shields comment, Salah will just end up being a big shield for you, even though there's a big red arrow. And you're going to captain him future in future game weeks, and that's completely evident. It's just something I think you just have to bite the bullet and say, this is something I have to suffer during this game week. I wouldn't be surprised if Ronaldo is pretty unanimous, unanimously captain this game week. Um Aston Villa at home, at home game is particularly important this season. And the, you know, his, his notoriety among Man United fans, everyone knows Ronaldo's name, even the casuals, they'll say, Ronaldo, want to captain him against uh, head of Salah. So he might be, you know, pushing 200% effective ownership, maybe even. Uh, and, and then, you know, you're still going to get a, a green arrow from, from his captaincy, but it pushes Salah's effective ownership down. So it's, it's not clean cut, I'd say, whether Salah's effective ownership is going to be over 100%. But I do get what you're saying about the enjoyment of the game. And mm. But you saying having Mane over Salah is more of a contrived point because Mane, you'd have to have him over a period of game weeks, not just one game week, I'd say. Um, and you're going to captain Salah. I've already said that, but you will captain him You know, in future game weeks. So... It's just something you have to suffer, mate, I'm afraid. It is what yeah. it is. It is
1: what it is. I do yeah. get your oh, frustration. Salah's going nowhere. It's just a game where, like I said, it's, it's a shield. If he bangs and Ronaldo blanks, then so be it. At least I'm covering half of the points he gets with his captaincy. Yeah, I completely get it. I just try to, like I say, play the game where I'm rooting for my entire 11. And some people still just in the chat just don't understand to play the game for fun is a way to play the game.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I, I did exactly the I'm same thing. I'm not even thing.
1: telling people to, to sell Salah. And I'm not telling people or suggesting to sell Ronaldo. It's 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 my team and just play, it's, play the way yeah. I want to play it. Play for fun, right?
0: You are not suggesting sell Salah because no, um, he's a bad pick. He, he's just, he won't be, you can't support him this game week if his effective ownership is high. And I completely get that. It's one of the reasons why I didn't go with Bruno Fernandes at the start of the season. I think Maris and Son outscored, you know, Uh, fernandez and tony in the end so there is more there's definitely more than one way to play the game uh and you know if you if you go without a big premium option you can divide the money and it might end up even over over the course of four or five game weeks so it's just one of those things but i I think ronaldo captain just irrelevant is is the best way to to go this game week and i think most people will do it Um, so lukaku against man city is a bit of a tough one isn't it do you expect any returns for from him
1: Uh, against the Blues? Yeah, I do. That's why I brought him in now. Well, last week. That's why I brought him in early, and I didn't wait till game week seven because, like I said before, I'm backing Chelsea to potentially win the title. Lukaku is obviously their main man. Um, I didn't have any worries he wasn't going to play against Spurs. I don't have any worries he's not going to play against Man City unless there's an injury, which I can't predict. Um, And like I said before the record, I think Chelsea's won the last three against City. So, yeah, if there's a... And they're they're big games. Two of them were were finals, right? Champions League final and FA Cup final. And the other one was at the Etihad. Um, So, for sure. It's like I said to you last week when your fixtures were like a sea of red. I said I didn't, I didn't agree that it looked that red because the players that you have were good and solid picks, uh, and I didn't quite agree with maybe the fixture difficulty. Uh, I completely agree that Man City is a, an extremely red fixture, of course, uh, but we all talk about Lukaku and we all talk about Chelsea.
0: Yeah, so. anything could happen. I think your team looks pretty good this week. Um, I think- said that last week, Ted. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're I back know. level.
0: And I thought my team was rubbish, and I forced myself to do some rubbish transfer. So let's let's look at my team, how I got on in game week five. Um, I ended up having to play 4-5-1 because Antonio uh, was out suspended, and I decided not to sell him, unlike you. So I'll be happy when he comes back this week f- for me. Um, but Alexander-Arnold was out as per um, everyone else's side, so I was lucky in the fact that Simacast came in with a five points um, I made some atrocious moves in uh, Sufal and Ben Rama out for a hit uh, for Marcel and triore so everyone um, I
1: didn't know it was Ben Rama out for a hit I knew yes double... oh, yeah. who was it Ben Rama and Sufal, right
0: Ben Rama and Sufal out for Marcel and triore and Marcel oh, was dreadful so I'm pretty bitter let's just say that but I think you, you talk about let's focus on the result. Not not to focus on the result, but think about the decision. Mm, uh, the yeah, likelihood oh. of Ben Rama scoring against a Man United side without Antonio in the team, fairly unlikely, but yep. it happened, and it happened in unusual circumstances. So definitely won't begrudge Ben Rama owners those points. I'd be celebrating it just as much as the next person. But in hindsight, silly moves from me. Uh, I just hope I fingers crossed that I can get on the score sheet in the next two because. <laughs> Otherwise, it will just go down as a really, really bad transfer. Um, I thought Wolves were pretty solid defensively uh, before the game at the weekend. So <laughs> Marcel looks a bit silly as well. The main reasons for doing those moves were actually to um, plan ahead and be able to do Ronaldo to Lukaku in game week seven and Simakas eventually get rid of Simakas and upgrade into a 5.7 and that will be either Alonso, Rhys James or whoever and I'll be pretty happy with that back line. It means I could probably bench Ailing and Marcel most of the time and have a, have a back line of Alexander-Arnold Shaw and a Chelsea defender. Uh, the one that concerns me most of all is probably Mount and uh, he hasn't been that great for Chelsea. Obviously he hasn't played and he wasn't great in the first half um, in, in the most recent game. But I wonder whether he was subbed off because he wasn't good or because of a strategic shift in shape, because Kante came on. So what what are your thoughts about that, Rob? Um, do you think it was a strategic change? Hopefully it was.
1: Oh Yeah, for sure, for sure, strategic. And uh, Kante was having a bit of a knock a while ago. And, and for me, honestly, he is the best centre mid in the world. People might say like Jorginho or some other players. For me, if I was to make a start in 11 if I was to get a football team together of any players in the entire world, Kante would be in my midfield for sure. Um, so I don't think – I still think it, I still think the first choice is Havertz and Mount behind Lukaku in that kind of attacking triangle. I think you've just been unlucky. He's played so much football last season, and he played so much at the start of this season – that I still think he might be lagging a bit from his Euro campaign in the summer. So he might need an extended rest at times, but I still believe that when they go on that green fixture run, you've got him in early. I would not be worried about Mason now.
0: I, he, I think he's going to do better in the easier fixtures. I mean, he has to, yes. when the goals start pouring in for Chelsea, he will definitely be amongst them if he starts. I mean, I do worry about the rotation, but, I mean, he's generally, generally considered as, you know, first 11. So I don't think I'm going to start worrying just yet.
1: But Just two two things about your side then. So first, you said get rid of Simakas. How dare you? He came into your <laughs> team and gave you five points. You respectfully removed that gentleman. <laughs> uh, the second, what are your thoughts on Greenwood? Because people were saying, uh, like, oh, I see he's not a rotation risk. He's always going to play, but... You know, I've mentioned before, people said about Son being lucky, but I think Greenwood has been extremely lucky with the goals that he's got this season. His assist last week, I didn't even know he got that assist where he took a shot, it took a deflection, the goalkeeper spilled it, and then Ronaldo tapped it in.
0: Yeah. I and think that's an assist. Yeah, I think generally... Is he on a chopping block? Uh, he's, not, he's certainly not on a chopping block at the moment because he's playing. And as long as he continues to play... Uh, that right-wing position, um, he might have been taken off because he hadn't had a good a good game and Lingard and Sancho came on. So obviously that rotation is there, uh, you know, and Lingard scored as well, so he, he might be vying for a start. But, I mean, you mentioned the luck element there, uh, like he's overperforming his XG, and that's completely, like, legit argument, but he mm. is notoriously excellent. He's an excellent finisher, and um, he's always... Every season he's played, even though he's had limited number of games, he's proven that he can overachieve his XG like Messi, like Son. So I'm not too worried that that's going to fall away too much. As long as he gets chances, there's always a chance that he, he uh, puts the ball in the back of net.
1: But so, do you think rotation or dropping is... Because Sancho didn't start this game. I don't think Sancho's going to be on the bench for a um, long time. Um,
0: When he came on, did Sancho set the world light in that game? I don't think he was that good.
1: Yeah, I know he'll put 12 minutes. You know, you say it's getting into teams on merit. And with having Pogba being on that left wing slot, whilst you have McFred as the holding players, right? And Bruno in front of them and Pogba on that left wing. But is Lingard not trying to play his way into that side because he stayed? And he's coming on and he's scoring goals late yeah. in the game. Maybe. So I'm not suggesting that Lingard's going to take Pogba's slot. He could take Greenwood's slot. He might not take any slot. But this, some Sancho and Lingard and players like that, and when Cavani's back fully fit, you, you're going to have a very unhappy squad if you're just going to stick with the same players. And these are big superstar guys that I just see more and more of Greenwood's minutes being gobbled up.
0: I mean, you could say that about multiple Premier League sides. We talked about Chelsea earlier. You've got an £80 million forward sitting on the bench. You know, he's not happy about it. from that manager, though. Yeah, I get it. I get it, I get it, I get it. But, I mean, I think it's a meritocratic society. If Sancho isn't doing as well in training or he hasn't proven it in matches, then he's less likely to get on the pitch ahead of Greenwood, who he had one quiet game in every single other time He's had an attack in return, and he looks decent. Like I think Greenwood looks decent. I,
1: I, I think sometimes we think too much about fantasy football and getting returns rather than football. Yeah, and of course. Yeah. Like I know he's getting returns, but like just because they get a lucky assist in fantasy like with that Ronaldo one that doesn't equate to United's coaching staff looking at that thinking wow Greenwood's had a great game because he's just got an attacking return of three bonus points <laughs> and also you can see that his minutes played are getting fewer and fewer 90 90
0: 89 84 72 mm, clutching at straws a little bit I think it's that last game which is the one that worries me um I do get what you're saying though, and um, it would be great if, if you know if actual football managers could think like <laughs> that because it would uh, help us all out in the predicting so you're starting attacking
1: bonus points, get him in.
0: <laughs> No, but I mean Greenwood. Yeah, he's staying in my team as long as um as long as he keeps starting, and then yeah, I'm,
1: yeah definitely. I'm just asking, just seeing if he was on your. And then he was.
0: He's pretty board. decent impact sub as well, but yeah, I think um, once once Man United's fixtures get tough as well, that probably. You know, is another reason to get rid for someone else at some point. Um, Let's have a look at how I'm lining up for game week six, and we've got a three-five-two. None of this pesky four-four-two nonsense.
1: Oh, four-five-one, and... your favourite formation. <laughs> oh, to, to be to be fair, yeah, that you did play rubbish. a four, I, Not even I have played four-five-one this season, Ted. Yeah, but it was out of
0: necessity, Rob. As I keep telling you. Sure. Yeah, the,
1: yeah, you keep saying that. that's fine. <laughs> You chose your eleven. I'm just gonna say, I right? did. You chose I did.
0: It. So, Alexander Arnold hopefully comes back into the side against Brentford. Um, <laughs> Sanchez against Palace. You know, normally that would be a pretty good fixture for a goalkeeper. But Crystal Palace, they've they've sort of moved up the ranks a little bit in terms of their expected goals, in terms of their goal potential. Uh, they look fairly lively. So maybe, well, I mean, hopefully Brighton can keep a clean sheet and get some. Get, he can get a few save points. But um, otherwise. It's probably not a great fixture. Shaw against Aston Villa, that's great. Southampton, hopefully Wolves do get a clean sheet against um, Southampton because Southampton have not been scoring too many, but it's been a pretty solid game between their opponents. So we'll have to see, but uh, Traore has (laughs) definitely got to do something at some point. I mean, come on. It's painful. I I hate that I made a preemptive transfer, but I really wanted to target the two home games for Wolves the one at Brentford, which was a travesty, and then we got the Newcastle one after this. Um, but yeah, Antonio... When does it become,
1: when does it become with Traore and Wolves, when does it become the point where... So I've still got Barnes, which is... I'm in the same situation with Traore, right? And they are, he is improving, Barnes is improving, and Traore and Wolves are unlucky. But when do we get to that point where we say enough is enough? and then we, i know it's going to be sod's law and we transfer him out in like game week eight or game week nine and then they bang with us and i'll just want to de- delete my team i think but yeah when I... Do we get to that point where it's not unlucky anymore it's just not doing the business it's just not clicking it's just not right and i just just take my money and put it elsewhere and just leave walls alone. When is that point for you? Yeah,
0: I think that's a that's a really good question. I Wild think a lot, card
1: probably for me. Wild a, card, lot like... will, a lot of people will
0: a lot of people be asking that. I've done a piece of work on this actually about the variance and how you can predict it. And um, you know, it's, uh, some people think it's pseudo numbers, pseudo science, pseudo maths. But um, when we looked back at last last season, there were six game week cycles where if a team massively underperformed in six game weeks, then the next six, they would typically overcompensate and overperform. Balance it out. To balance it out. So it will be really interesting what I decide to do. Maybe after six game weeks and Wolves have had this massive uh, negative XG delta and, you know, I don't follow my advice by keeping Wolves' assets and they completely overperform in the next six, I'll kick myself. So... I think I'll probably keep
1: Traore for the long haul. and, and um... it's not expensive, right? Six million sitting in your team with good fixtures. You know, if if he had a fixture run of Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, you'd probably think, right, I'll sell him. But the fact that they've got, quote, good fixtures for, like, the next five, six to ten game weeks, I think for six million it's worth just set it, set and forget and just <laughs> use your transfers elsewhere, you know, like... I think I might wait for
0: that double-figure re- return and then, and then get, get rich.
1: <laughs> That's it. That's all he's going to do. He's going to get one big return and we'll insta-sell him after.
0: Martin Boyle in the chat, Triore equals even a broken clock yeah. is right twice a day. Love that.
1: I, I also <laughs> have the other comment that says, Triore at least has the stats. Barnes <laughs> out here stopping goals.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, there's a few, you know, there's a few... Uh, what's the word, villains out there at the moment, and um, I'd love for them to rectify it for us. It wouldn't be good if Barnes, if everyone sold Barnes, and you just kept him through necessity and he just got, he got a double-figure haul next week. Yeah, I could
1: have sold him, I could have sold him uh, instead of uh, maybe Grealish sure or if anything. Well, I mean,
0: you, you had other priorities and all that, but...
1: Uh, well, I kept him because you know, he... It, it, it... Brighton and Burnley and Palace are the three. So obviously he's just finished Brighton. And he's got Burnley and Palace in the next two. Yeah. Then he's got United and then Brentford. So maybe that'll be the time to jump ship during a wild card. But I mean, if if I still see this, the 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 Leicester team sheet and he's on it and he's at home against Burnley, I know I've got my two centre mids of my four are Barnes and Traore, and they are the two like the surely men like surely this is now this oh, is there that was what i thought it was against Brighton. like my, i did like a coach Carter twitter post just being like this is it this is when barnes turns it around he's gonna clean he's gonna wipe out those Brighton clean sheets he's gonna be the man to do it uh turns out he almost saved brighton's clean sheets <laughs> by being offside for the two of the goals um, oh
0: dear I, I mean i can't even cope i mean one of them trial ray so you must be pretty frustrated um the good thing is if you do follow that logic of the overcompensating then hmm. maybe they both bang in the same game week and you you know absolute clean up <laughs> that's the like positive
1: You've still got bombs and triore this is madness absolute madness
0: right back to my team antonio at leeds i'm pretty happy with leaky leeds so are you are you at all worried that you've sold at sold antonio
1: now yeah yeah for sure but my initial plan was to game week seven wild card. Um, so he missed the game and got zero points. And then I know he's got leads, but like I, when I put uh, with the like, oh my God, you don't have him because of the games. And But he's got leads, which is a, a great fixture, completely agree. And then he's got Brentford and I've talked about it before. And I talked about it last week about people saying oh yeah he's got amazing he's got Leeds and Brentford next but then we're spending a lot of our time praising Brentford's defense and praising the goalkeeper that is Brentford that much of a a wonderful fixture for, for Antonio
0: yeah I mean there's there's definitely questions um on that fixture because they have been good defensively but I, I guess the question will come when they do start playing those top top sides and whether they are able to contain them. If yeah. they are, then they become a really legitimate defence um, to target, for, as in, i.e. to bring in defenders for your own team. And as you have done, brought in Raya, who I think is a pretty decent goalkeeper. I mean, his stats certainly look good. So, yeah, even though he is green on a load of fixture tickers or blue or whatever, um, Brentford... Is a, is a bit of an enigma at the moment and it remains to be seen whether they can um, keep out the top teams. And I would say West Ham, on on their day, are one of the top teams out there, certainly mm, going forward. Yeah, so sure. it'll be a good test for them. But, but um, you know, yeah.
1: like, I understand when people are like, oh, Antonio, you're worried. Yeah, Leeds are leaky, they're looking poor. Antonio's had a break, which might be even better for him because he looked a bit, like, laggy against Southampton and didn't look particularly amazing. He's had a rest, mm. comes back against that Pretty poor lead side currently. i based on form. Uh, he could absolutely do bits, but my two strikers are Ronaldo and Lukaku, so I've got a back bat, right? You know, Lukaku, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Antonio. Absolutely. I think I know he's got Man City, but Lukaku head to head with Antonio. If I'm going to have a forward to you know one on one with Antonio, I think Lukaku is definitely a one to to have in the bag to to put in the in the ring against him. So. Well your
0: game week your wildcard game week seven, I'm doing everything I can to avoid it. So um
1: couple... oh, I'm still only possible. That's why I brought in Lukaku earlier, because it doesn't force me. If I do Livermento this week um for Simicass uh to give me that bench cover, that might be able to postpone uh and then a couple of game weeks I do shorter Rudiger. Um so doing that early Lukaku transfer. Did give me an opportunity to 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 not I don't I'm not forced into playing my wild card in game week seven. It was an initial plan, but having the team that I've got now, like I keep saying, every time I look at my start in eleven, and I look at the fixtures, and I've got so much blue that they're against, and I just think, why am I going to wild card this? Yeah, i know I've got Traore, but it's against Southampton, and oh, I've got Barnes, but he's at home to Burnley. It's it's it, like it doesn't push me quite towards the wild
0: card it's like you have to work out three game weeks in advance do you go for broke and target some sort of random three game week good fixtures and then wild card or do you do your best to get your team in a respectable condition before wild carding and then work out what the advantage is over and above that that team to wild card and if it's still worth it then do it um that's something that you're going to have to contend with i think because i think if dcl was fit if a lot of other people were fit you might have gone down that first route of targeting some decent fixtures and they then might have reverted to do a wild card in game week seven or eight
1: yeah i I said earlier i already made a wild card draft um for what i would like in game week seven because this is a week too early um and i was really happy with it you know when i wild card i look at my click confirm transfers and i look at the two lists of players in players out and you know when that players in is like so much better than players out that's when it's like right i'm hitting the wild card um so i've got a general idea of um of a wild card and it would probably be a ronaldo to antonio move And then that money will go into my defence and rejig my midfield, I think. That's interesting, because West Ham's fixtures
0: aren't particularly good long term. They've got Leeds, which is a good one, I'd say. And then Mm -hmm. Brentford, who we're saying is a bit of an enigma. Everton, Spurs, Villa, Liverpool. They're sort of mixed, I'd say. So he's still keen on on bringing in um, West Ham ahead of those fixtures. Because I agree
1: exactly what, with what you just said a few moments ago. You said that, you know, on the day or in attack, West Ham are, are up there with the best. Yeah. You know, they're, they're a top six on form, like a top six side. Like, defensively, they're letting in too many goals, which is why I'm not going to be too worried to, for example, sell Soufal or get rid of Sufowl on a, on a wild card. Uh, but in, like you said, in terms of attack... Um, that they look really good. Antonio is still absolutely killing every kind of attacking stat that you can imagine. I never sold Antonio because I thought he was a bad player. You know, I said myself, like, he's a fantastic option. I sold him because I was planning to get to wildcard in game week seven, so it felt silly to keep a player on my bench for three game weeks where one of the three he wasn't even playing, and then I could have a punt for two game weeks or just have the fantastic four you know, Lukaku-Ronaldo strike force for for, for for a couple of game weeks. Yeah, absolutely Fair I was enough. planning to captain Ronaldo this game week.
0: Yeah. I think um, you could arguably keep Ronaldo until game week eight because they've got Villa, Everton and then Leicester who haven't exactly been uh, on top of the world in terms of their numbers. Um, and then in game week nine, Man United have got Liverpool, Spurs and City. So are selling selling that uh, all of their assets ahead of that run of three might be, might be the way to go. But it means you have one more game week to, uh, to keep Ronaldo. And,
1: and uh... that's Watford-Chelsea, by the way. So it's like game week 9 to 13 is not uh, particularly amazing for Manchester United. It's just like game week 12 away to Watford. And like I said, that's away. And you pointed out yourself that Manchester United away from home uh, are not exactly setting the world on fire. So, And then Spurs. People argue Spurs is a good fixture at the moment, but that's also a way... Um, so. Yeah, I think
0: Chelsea, Leeds, and Wolves have the best fixtures coming up. It's just the problem is Wolves are underperforming. Uh, Leeds have really bad stats, both attacking yeah. and defending Newcastle's
1: up there as well on the fixture ticker. Yeah, it's
0: it's fairly up there. But who are you bringing in, Sam Maximan?
1: Uh, he is on on my watch list. I've always loved him. It's such a lovely pair to watch with Wilson out. He's the main striker as well. But 6.7, I think, will be a bit rich for for people. But he's got Watford, Wolves, Spurs, and Palace in the next four. Then he's got Chelsea, which is obviously bad. But then he's got another, like, five good fixtures. So, on the fixture ticker for for game weeks 6 to 12, Newcastle are third. Best fixtures. Um, So, yeah, Watford, Wolves, Spurs, Palace, Chelsea, Brighton, Brentford. Um, I mean, It's not too bad. I just, I agree. I know what you're going to say. It's Newcastle, and I'm just going to agree with you and nod and smile. No, but, but honestly, like
0: Sam Maximan looks. If you were just like, I said this on The Breakfast Club. If you just came into football, if you knew nothing about football, and you just watched Sam Maximan you'd think he'd be like the best player in the entire world because yeah, he's yeah. he's just he's quality. But the problem is he gets injured easily. Newcastle got a form fairly, you know here and there
1: defense not possession based football So... Uh, but th- th- for me the the one I've, I've already said that is probably going to be my third strike in a wild card and I've and I've penciled him in for since like game week 3 or t- 2 or 3 is is Armstrong 6 million southampton at top of the fixture ticker for that for that period interesting Game week 6 to 12 there are some really good fixtures wolves then chelsea but then it's leeds burnley watford villa norwich And you stand out and you say Leeds, Burnley, Watford, Norwich um, is a real
0: standout for
1: me on that one.
0: Do you think, um, obviously, they haven't been scoring too many goals, but that might have been due to their opponents. Uh, Do you think that that that's just the style that they're playing this season, the more defensive style? Or do you think that they start getting a few more
1: goals when playing against easier opposition? Yeah, I I think you just said it right. They've played Everton away, Manchester United, Newcastle is the, the supposedly easier game. And then West Ham and City. So you're looking at United and City, who are like fighting for the title. West Ham, who's fighting for top six, top four. Uh, and Southampton's just gone and got a clean sheet. And talk about that penalty. I still think that was a penalty. I still think Kyle Walker's absolutely battered him from behind. And it actually wound, it wound me up because I think it was a penalty, but... If I remember correctly, Kyle Walker should not have received a red card because it wasn't dangerous foul play. And the, I thought the rule had changed years ago that even if you deny a goal-scoring opportunity, but a penalty is given, you're only to receive a yellow card, not a red card. It's the double jeopardy rule, yeah. Yes. Which, which, so when it wasn't serious foul play, he's not gone in two-footed. He's barged into the back of him. I think it was a penalty. But then he receives a red card. And I was absolutely astounded because I yeah, because like you said to double jeopardy, right? You, you don't no longer get if a penalty is given, you no longer receive a, a red card for, for for that, which is again why I was surprised that Reese James got the red card. They might have yep. removed that rule again after I don't it know. In. I don't follow it, but or maybe it's because Reese James stops an actual goal. Yeah. Whereas Carl Walker scored uh, a, a goal scoring opportunity.
0: Yeah, there might be some fine print uh, that's the difference. I, I, I,
1: yeah, I'm pretty sure maybe uh, would people would mention that in the chat, but I'm pretty sure that was a rule of you can't get sent unless it's serious foul play in a penalty area, like a double two-footed knee challenge kind of thing. Yeah, you shouldn't have got a red card for that. So I think it's the fixtures they've had a and Everton, apart from getting smashed by Villa, uh, Everton have had a really solid start to the season. They were unbeaten, weren't they, before that Villa game? So you're looking at the games that they've played. It's only Newcastle, where they scored two goals. Um, that's the problem. Yeah. No, it's... And the uh... is lovely and green. <laughs> Pretty much game week 22. They've got Liverpool, Leicester, Chelsea, West Ham in 15, 18 game weeks, something like that. So There we go. But
0: who's right, your player
1: I... of the week? Player of the way, week. One player. There's one player who, for me, stood out and no one's going to like it, and no one's going to agree to it, but I don't care because I thought he was absolutely fantastic, and people would probably only have seen him uh, in highlights if they didn't watch the game, and I'm going to butcher his name, and it's Mark Cucurella.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, um, the Brighton chap,
1: yeah. The Brighton defender, now 5 million is, is easily probably too much for a lot of people for a Brighton defender. But he just massively caught the eye. He was so attacking. He cuts inside. He's so far forward. He was nutmegging Pereira for days. Um, and if you member of the the scout members area to look at his like touch heat map, it's in their half against Leicester. We're talking about like I know Leicester have been poor, but we're talking about Leicester City, and you see the big red splotches on the touchline in their half. And then further down, and then also a little bit centrally. I just feel as though, uh, for me, uh, you know, people will say Saar stood out because he banged, obviously, but it's against Norwich. People, just for my little uh, player of the week, um, I thought he really, really caught my eye. It's a good shout.
0: I mean, it's interesting how that Brighton team shapes up because did you see Tariq Lamptey was back on the bench for Brighton? So if you have, uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, (laughs) Cucurella, maybe. Um, and uh, Lampy on the on the other side, then that's the pretty attacking wing backs for
1: Brighton. Uh, makes but a change. You know that is? Are they going to both attack, or is one going to have to sort of stay back? But mm. he was maybe I didn't see the match of the day highlights of the Brighton Leicester game. I I watched the match, I watched the ninety minutes, and uh yeah, he was just he was just everywhere. Honestly, just felt like on the wing, cutting inside, nice. Uh, really, and I've I, again I'm. Not suggesting go out there and buy him, he's you know, he's five million, he's rivaling Dunk, for example. And I think Brian's fixtures aren't going to be magical forever. I think it's the start of the season, we all liked it. Um, they've got City and Liverpool game week nine and 10, but still half decent fixtures to game week 13. Then they got West Ham, it's honestly not too bad. The bad fixtures are spread out. Um, yeah, a lot yeah, of people will have already. Impressed. They'll have Sanchez
0: maybe in goal or double double Brighton defence. I've seen quite prevalent. 06
1: percent owned. Um, if if you could have said to me now, you know, earlier you said if I could not use a transfer and just like replace Barnes for Sar or something like that, would I do it? If I w- if I could replace Soufoul maybe for, for Mark. Uh Scutabella. Um <laughs> you know if i'm gonna get it wrong i'm gonna get it wrong with a bit of flair right absolutely um i'd, I'd probably take the pun palace arsenal norwich in next three and I, I yeah i was just mad as simple as that um there you go like i say say, oh salah was really good he scored goals you know i don't that was to- gonna be my pick oh sorry <laughs> mate. sorry salah was a good pick though mate so you're you are 100 correct but yeah just for a real differential and a standout pick. I was really impressed with him
0: nice well we're an hour and 45 minutes in so let's call it there um rob's pick to end it i like it Cucciarello, however you pronounce it we've just murdered it.
1: maybe they don't pronounce the c but Then he, it would be Cucurello.
0: is he italian i want to find out
1: <laughs> no he's spanish so i don't know why i sound italian I let's just know. call him mark let's call him Tell mark. Me Owen. he's a friend of mine mark love it
0: Well, we hope that video was useful. We went through pretty much everything, you know, attack, defence, goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, forwards. Had a look at our our dreadful teams. Hopefully our bad game weeks might console you a little bit, but we will leave it there, chaps. And uh, you've got to have some red arrows in your season. So fingers crossed it's one of not too many for us. But uh, thank you very much for joining us. If you've made it this far throughout the one hour and 45 minutes, then absolute heroes love you all and we'll see you next week uh it's a